Chapter Twenty One, Part One of Fox's Book of Martyrs, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chris Caron. Fox's Book of Martyrs, Volume Two by John Fox, edited by William Bryan Forbush. Chapter Twenty One. Persecutions of the French Protestants in the South of France during the years eighteen fourteen and eighteen twenty. Part One. The persecution in this Protestant part of France continued with very little intermission from the revocation of the Edict of Nantes by Louis the Sixteenth until a very short period previous to the commencement of the late French Revolution in the year seventeen eighty five. M. Ribot Saint Etienne and the celebrated M. de Lafayette were among the first persons who interested themselves with the court of Louis the Sixteenth in removing the scourge of persecution from this injured people, the inhabitants of the south of France. Such was the opposition on the part of the Catholics and the courtiers that it was not until the end of the year 1790 that the Protestants were freed from their alarms. Previously to this, the Catholics, and Nismes in particular, had taken up arms. Nismes then presented a frightful spectacle armed men ran through the city fired from the corners of the streets and attacked all they met with swords and forks a man named astuk was wounded and thrown into the aqueduct bottom fell under the repeated strokes of bayonets and sabres and his body was also thrown into the water Bocher, a very young man, only seventeen years of age, was shot as he was looking out of the window. Three electors wounded, one dangerously, another elector wounded, only escaped death by repeatedly declaring he was a Catholic. A third received four sabre wounds and was taken home dreadfully mangled. The citizens that fled were arrested by the Catholics upon the roads and obliged to give proofs of their religion before their lives were granted. M. and Madame Vogue were at their country house, which the zealots broke open, where they massacred both and destroyed their dwelling. M. Blatcher, a Protestant, seventy years of age, was cut to pieces with a sickle. Young Pyre, carrying some food to his brother, was asked, Catholic or Protestant? Protestant, being the reply. A monster fired at the lad, and he fell. One of the murderer's compassions said, You might as well have killed the lamb. I have sworn, replied he, to kill four Protestants for my share, and this will count for one. However, as these atrocities provoked the troops to unite in defense of the people, a terrible vengeance was retailed upon the Catholic party that had used arms, which, with other circumstances, especially the toleration exercised by Napoleon Bonaparte, keep them down completely until the year 1814, when the unexpected return of the ancient government rallied them all once more round the old banners. The arrival of King Louis the Eighteenth at Paris. This was known at Nismes on the 13th of April, 1814. In a quarter of an hour, the white cockade was seen in every direction. The white flag floated on the public buildings, on the splendid monuments of antiquity, and even on the Tower of Mange, beyond the city walls, the Protestants, whose commerce had suffered materially during the war, 
were among the first to unite in the general joy and to send in their adhesion to the senate and the legislative body and several of the protestant departments sent addresses to the throne but unfortunately m froment was again at nismes at the moment when many bigots being ready to join him the blindness and fury of the sixteenth century rapidly succeeded the intelligence and philanthropy of the nineteenth a line of distinction was instantly traced between men of different religions opinions the spirit of the old catholic church was again to regulate each person's share of esteem and safety the difference of religion was now to govern anything else and even catholic domestics who had served protestants with zeal and affection began to neglect their duties or to perform them ungraciously and with reluctance at the fides and spectacles that were given at the public expense the absence of the protestants was charged on them as a proof of their disloyalty and in the midst of the cries of vive de roy the discordant sounds of abbas le maire down with the mare were heard m castletan was a protestant he appeared in public with the perfect m ruland a catholic when potatoes were thrown at him and the people declared that he ought to resign his office the bigots of nesmes even succeeded in procuring an address to be presented to the king stating that there ought to be in france but one god one king and one faith in this that they were imitated by the catholics of several towns the history of the silver child about this time m baron councillor of the corps royal of nesmes formed the plan of dedicating to god a silver child if the duchess de angolme would give a prince to france this project was converted into a public religious vow which was the subject of conversation both in public and private whilst persons whose imaginations were inflamed by these proceedings ran about the streets crying vivant de bourbons or the bourbons forever in consequence of this superstitious frenzy it is said that alaeus women were advised and instigated to poison their protestant husbands and at length it was found convenient to accuse them of political crimes they could no longer appear in public without insults and injuries when the mobs met with protestants they seized him and they danced around them with barbarous joy and amidst repeated cries of vive de roy they sang verses the burden of which was we will wash our hands in protestant blood and make black puddings of the blood of calvin's children the citizens who came to the promenades for air and refreshment from the close and dirty streets were chased with shouts of vive de roy as if those shouts were to justify every excess if protestants referred to the charter they were directly assured it would be of no use to them and that they had only been managed to be more effectually destroyed persons of rank were heard to say in the public streets all the huguenots must be killed this time their children must be killed that none of the accursed race may remain still it is true they were not murdered but cruelly treated protestant children could no longer mix in the sports of catholics and were not even permitted to appear without their parents at dark their families shut themselves up in their apartments but even then stones were thrown against their windows when they arose in the mountain it was not uncommon to find gibbets drawn on their doors or walls and in the streets the catholics held cords already soaked before their eyes and pointed out instruments by which they hoped and designed to exterminate them 
small gallows or models were haddled about and a man who lived opposite to one of their pastors exhibited one of these models in his window and made signs sufficiently intelligible when the minister passed a figure representing a protestant preacher was also hung up on the public crossway and the most atrocious songs were sung under his window towards the conclusion of the carnival a plan that had even been formed to make a caricature of the four ministers of the place and burn them in effigy but this was prevented by the major of nemes a protestant a dreadful song presented to the perfect in every country in the country dialect with a false translation was printed by his approval and had a great run before he saw the extent of the roar into which he had been betrayed the sixty-third regime of the line was publicly censored and insulted for having according to order protected protestants in fact the protestants seemed to be as sheep destined for the slaughter the catholic arms at beauclair in may eighteen fifteen a federative association similar to that of Lyons, Grenoble, Paris, Avignon, and, and Montpelier was desired by many persons at Nimes, but this federation terminated here after an ephemeral and illusory existence of fourteen days. In the meanwhile, a large party of Catholic zealots were in arms at Beauclair, and who soon published their patrols so near the walls of Nimes so as to alarm the inhabitants these catholics appealed to be the english off marsilius for assistance and obtained the grant of one thousand muskets ten thousand cartouches etc general gilly however was soon sent against these partisans who prevented them from coming to extremes by granting them an armistice and yet when louis the eighteenth had returned to paris after the expiration of napoleon's reign of a hundred days in peace and party spirit seemed to have been subdued even at nimes bands from beclair joined trestallion in the city to glut the vengeance they had so long premeditated general gilly had left the department several days the troops of the line left behind had taken the white cockade and waited further orders whilst the new commissioners had only to proclaim the cessation of hostilities and the complete establishment of the king's authority in vain no commissioners appeared no dispatches arrived to calm and regulate the public mind but towards evening the advance guard of the banditti to the amount of several hundreds entered the city undesired but unopposed as they marched without order or discipline covered with clothes or rags of all colors decorated with cockades not white but white and green armed with muskets sabers forks pistols and reaping hooks intoxicated with wine and stained with the blood of the protestants whom they had murdered on their route they presented a host hideous and appealing spectacle in the open place in front of the barracks this banditti was joined by the city armed mob headed by jacques dupont commonly called trestallion to save the effusion of blood this garrison of about five hundred men consented to capitulate and marched out sad and defenceless but when about fifty had passed the rabble commenced a tremendous confiding and unprotected victims nearly all were killed or wounded but very few could re-enter the yard before the garrison gates were again closed these were again forced in an instant 
and all were massacred who could not climb over roofs or leap into adjoining gardens in a word death met them in every place and in every shape and this catholic massacre revallied in cruelty and surpassed the treachery the crimes of the september assassins of paris and the jacobinical butcheries of lyons and avigon it was marked not only by the fervor of the revolution but by the subtlety of the league and will not remain and will long remain a blot upon the history of the second restoration massacre and pillage of nimes nimes now exhibited a most awful scene of outrage and carnage though many of the protestants have fled to the convenes and the garden quay the country houses of messrs raguriet and several others had been pillaged and the inhabitants treat them with wanted barbarity two parties had gluttoned their savage appetites on the farm of madame frat the first after eating drinking and breaking the furniture and stealing what they thought proper took leave by announcing the arrival of their comrades compared with whom they said they should be thought merciful three men and an old woman were left on the premises at the sight of the second company two of the men fled are you a catholic said the bendini to the old woman yes repeat then your pater and ave being terrified she hesitated and was instantly knocked down with a musket on recovering her senses she stole out of her house but met lade the old valet de firm bringing in a salad which the depredators had ordered them to cut in vain she endeavored to persuade him to fly are you a protestant they exclaimed i am a musket being discharged at him he fell wounded but not dead to consummate their work the monsters lighted a fire with straw and boards threw their living victim into the flames and suffered him to expire in the most dreadful agonies they then ate their salad omelette etc the next day some laborers seeing the house open and deserted entered and discovered the half-consumed body of lade the prefect of the guard m darbad jonke attempting to palliate the crimes of the catholics and the odyssey to assert that lade was a catholic but this was publicly contradicted by two of the passers at nimes another party committed a dreadful murder at saint Césaire upon imbert la plume the husband of susan chivas he was met on returning from work in the fields the chief promised him life but insisted that he might be conducted to the prison at nimes seeing however that the party was determined to kill him he resumed his natural character and being a powerful and courageous man advanced and exclaimed you are brigand's fire four of them fired and he fell but he was not dead and while living they mutilated his body and then passing a cord round it drew it along attached to a cannon of which they had possession it was not until after eight days that his relatives were apprised of his death fire individuals of the family of chivas all husbands and fathers were massacred in the course of a few days the merciless treatment of the women in this persecution at nimes was such as would have disgraced by any savages ever heard of the widows rive and bernard were forced to sacrifice enormous sums and the house of mrs lecointe was ravaged and her goods destroyed mrs f dider had her dwelling sacked and nearly demolished to the foundation a party of these bigots visited the window perrin 
who lived on a little farm at the windmills having committed every species of devastation they attacked even the sanctuary of the dead which contained the relics of her family they dragged the coffins out and scattered the contents over the adjacent grounds in vain this outraged widow collected the bones of her ancestors and replaced them they were again dug up and after several useless efforts they were reluctantly left spread over the surface of the fields the royal decree in favor of the persecuted at the decree of lois eighteenth which annulled all the extraordinary all the extraordinary powers conferred either by the king the princes or subordinate agents was received at nimes and the laws were now to be administered by the regular organs and a new perfect arrived to carry them into effect but in spite of the proclamations the work of destruction stopped for a moment was not abandoned but soon renewed with fish vigor and effect on the thirtieth of july jacques Combe, the father of a family was killed by some of the national guards of Rousseau, and the crime was so public that the commander of the party restored to the family the pocket-brook and papers of the deceased on the following day tumultuous clouds roamed about the city and suburbs threatening the wretched peasants and on the first of august they butchered them without opposition about noon on the same day six armed men headed by trumphemy the butcher surrounded the house of monat a carpenter two of the party who were smiths had been at work in the house of the day before and had seen a protestant who had taken refuge there m borillion who had been a lieutenant in the army and had retired on a pension he was a man of an excellent character peaceable and harmless and had never served the emperor napoleon trumphemy not knowing him he was pointed out partaking of a frugal breakfast with the family trumphemy ordered him to go along with him adding your friend Sassine is already in the other world trumphy placed him in the middle of his troop and artfully ordered him to cry vive emperor he refused adding he had never served the emperor in vain did the woman and the children of the house intercede for his wife and praise his amiable and virtuous qualities he was marched to the esplanade and shot first by trumphemy and when by the others several persons attracted by the firing approached but were threatened with a similar fate after some time the wretches departed shouting vive le roi some woman met them and one of them appearing affected said i have killed seven a day for my share and if you say a word you shall be the eighth pierre corbett a stocking weaver was torn from his loom by an armed band and shot at his own door the eldest daughter was knocked down with the butt end of a musket and a poignard was held at the breast of his wife while the mob plundered her apartments paul herot a silk weaver was literally cut in pieces in the presence of a large crowd and amidst the unavailing cries and tears of his wife and four young children the murders only abandoned the corpse to return to horat's house and secure everything valuable the number of murders on this day could not be ascertained one person saw six bodies on the course neuf and nine were carried to the hospital if murder some time after became less frequent for a few days pillage pillage and forced contributions were actively enforced m sally de humbro 
at several visits was robbed of seven thousand francs and on one occasion when he pleaded the sacrifice he had made look said a bandit pointing to his pipe this will set fire to your house and this banishing his sword will finish you no reply could be made to these arguments and feline a silk manufacturer was robbed of thirty-two thousand francs in gold three thousand francs in silver and several bales of silk the small shopkeepers were continually exposed to visits and demands of provisions drapiery or whatever they sold and the same hands that set fire to the houses of the rich and tore up the vines of the cultivator broke the looms of the weaver and stole the tools of the artisan desolation reigned in the sanctuary and in the city the armed bands instead of being reduced they were increased the fugitive instead of returning received constant accessions and their friends who sheltered them were deemed rebellious those protestants who remained were deprived of all their civil and religious rights and even the advocates and hussiers entered into a resolution to exclude all of the pretended reformed religion from their bodies those who were employed in selling tobacco were deprived of their licenses the protestant deacons who had the charge of the poor were all scattered of five pastors only two remained one of these was obliged to change his residence and could only venture to the administer the consolations of religion or to perform the functions of his ministry under cover of the night not content with these modes of torment calumnious and inflammatory publications charged the protestants with raising the prescribed standard in the communes and invoking the fallen napoleon and of course was unworthy the protection of the laws and the favor of the monarch hundreds after this were dragged to prison without even so much as a written order and though an official newspaper bearing the title of the journal du garde was set up for five months while it was influenced by the perfect the mayor and the other functionaries the word charter was never once used in it one of the first numbers on the contrary represented the suffering protestants as crocodiles only weeping from rage and regret that they had no more victims to devour as persons who had surpassed danton and Mara, the robespierre in doing mischief and as having prostituted their daughters to the garrison to gain it over to napoleon an extract from this article stamped with the crown and the arms of the bourbons was hawked about the streets and the vendor was adorned with the medal of the police petition of the protestant refugees to these reproaches it is proper to opposite the petition which the protestant refugees in paris presented to louis the eighteenth in behalf of their brethren at nimes we lay at your feet sire our acute sufferings in your name our fellow-citizens are slaughtered and their property laid waste misled peasants in pretended obedience to your orders had assembled at the command of a commissioner appointed by your august nephew although ready to attack us they were received with the assurances of peace on the fifteenth of july eighteen fifteen we learned your majesty's entrance into paris and the white flag immediately waved on our edifices the public tranquillity had not been disturbed when armed peasants introduced themselves the garrison capitulated but were assailed on their departure and almost totally massacred our national guard was disarmed the city filled with strangers and the houses of the principal inhabitants professing the reformed religion were attacked and plundered 
we subjoin the list. Terror has driven from our city the most respectable inhabitants. Your majesty has been deceived if there has not been placed before you in the picture of horrors which make a desert of your good city of Nimes. Arrests and prescriptions are continually taking place, and difference of religious opinions in the real and only cause. The calumniated Protestants are the defenders of the throne. You, nephew, has beheld our children under his banners. Our fortunes have been placed in his hands. Attacked without reason, the Protestants have not, even by a just resistance, afforded their enemies the fatal pretext for calumny. Save us, sire, extinguish the brand of civil war. A single act of your will would restore to political existence a city, interesting for its population and its manufactures. Demand an account of their conduct from the chiefs who had brought our misfortunes upon us. We place before your eyes all the documents that have reached us. Fear paralyzes the hearts and stifles the complaints of our fellow citizens. Placed in a more secure situation, we venture to raise our voice in their behalf, etc., etc. Monstrous outrage upon females. At Nimes it is well known that the women wash their clothes either at the fountains or on the banks of streams. There is a large basin near the fountain where numbers of women may be seen every day kneeling at the edge of the water and beating the clothes with heavy pieces of wood in the shape of battle doors. This spot became the scene of the most shameful and indecent practices. The Catholic rabble turned the women's petticoats over their heads and so fastened them as to continue their exposure and their subjection to a newly invented species of chastisement, for nails being placed in the wood of, of the batoirs in the form of fleur-de-lays. They beat them until the blood streamed from their bodies and their cries rent the air. Often was death demanded was a commutation of this ignominious punishment, but refused with a magnificent joy to carry their outrage to the highest possible degree. Several who were in a state of pregnancy there assailed in this matter. The scandalous nature of the outrages prevented many of the sufferers from making them public, and especially from relating to the most aggravating circumstances I have seen since M. Durand, a Catholic advocate, accompanying the assassins of the Foxburg Borgade, arm a batoir with sharp nails in the, in the form of fleur-de-lays. I have seen them raise the garments of females and apply with heavy blows to the bleeding body. This batoir or battledore to which they gave a name, which my pen refuses to record, the cries of the sufferers, the streams of blood, the murmurs of indignation, which were suppressed by the fear, nothing could move them. The surgeons who attended on those women who are dead can attest by the marks of their wounds, the agonies which they must have endured, which, however horrible, is most strictly true. Nevertheless, during the progress of these horrors and obscenities, so disgraceful to France and the Catholic religion, the agents of government had powerful force under their command, and by honestly employing it, they might have restored tranquility Murder and robbery, however, continued, and were winked at by the Catholic magistrates, with very few exceptions. The administrative authorities, it is true, used words in their proclamations, etc., but never had recourse to actions to stop the enormities of the persecutors, who boldly declared that, on the 24th, the anniversary of St. Bartholomew, they intended to make a general massacre, 
the members of the reformed church were filled with terror and and instead of taking part in the election of deputies were occupied as well as they could in providing for their own personal safety end of chapter twenty one part one recording by chris curran